Kristen, I'm going to hand over to you uh, to speak okay. this morning. Go for it. I'm just going to ch share my screen, hopefully. Mm. I think that's it. Yes. Right. Um, it's good that Sam prayed for me because um, I feel that I chose this reading in a moment of rashness. I decided it's a reading that I've never really understood and that uh, it's something that I really wanted to look into. Um, and it was a reading that as a new Christian terrified me. And I think there's a lot of people who don't actually understand this reading. I'm not sure you will at the end of my talk, but at least it might shed some light. And um, if, you're, if you would like to join us in Bible Connect, I'm hoping it will make for some interesting discussion. So um, we're talking about the third commandment, thou shalt not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And of course, the Jews never name, name God by name. Um, they use other words to, to convey the sense of God. Um, the, word, the word for God is so holy to them that they, can, they, can, they really can't utter it. I don't know if there's any children listening, but you might want to um, close their ears briefly. Christians don't give a shit about the third world. That's the only rude word in this. That was actually said by somebody called Tony Campolo, who's a preacher. He's done a lot of uh, good work in, uh, in feeding people around the world and all sorts of things. Um, and he's been quite controversial in his time. Um, what he actually said on the day that he said that, and I think it was around about 2006, but I couldn't find out. Um, he actually said, I have three things to say I'd like to say to you today he's addressing a group of Christians he's addressing a whole load of people who are meeting in Christ's name and he said first while you were sleeping last night 30,000 kids died of starvation or diseases related to malnutrition second most of you don't give a I won't say it again in case there are children listening um third what's worse is that you're more upset with the fact that I said a rude word than the fact that 30,000 kids died last night. And I must admit, the first time I heard that talk, the word I heard was that word. And it's not even taking God's name, it's just a rude word. Um, so I'm not saying that crude language, uh, we should condone it or anything like that. I'm just saying that sometimes it's not the most important thing. And sometimes we have to look behind what people are saying and ignore some of the crudity of their language in order to hear what they're really saying. And that was Tony's point, I think. We can get very um, sensitive as Christians about things like that. And yet we really should be more sensitive to things which are way, way, way more important. Um, the concise Oxford Dictionary um, says that, um, I think that the, I haven't checked this out myself because I didn't have access to a written copy of uh, the concise Oxford Dictionary and it's, it's difficult to um, find it online in exactly the same format. But I am told in the uh, concise Oxford Dictionary 1995, the first definition of Jesus 
is as a colloquial interjection, an exclamation of surprise, etc. And secondly, as the name of the founder of the Christian religion. And that says a lot about our culture, really, and how widespread um, using inappropriate words is. I was um, watching television last night, thinking about what I was going to say today. And I was amazed, actually, when you really listen to things, how many of the seemingly most benign of programmes have interjections of the word God all the time and all sorts of things like that. Uh, and one of the things that um, was mentioned in our um, uh, breakout room and which I'd already got written down is OMG on text is a very common interjection. Um, and we had a bit of a well, discussion about whether it's worse if people use it unknowingly or if it's worse if people use it knowingly. If they know what they're saying, is that worse than if they're just saying stuff and it's words they've picked up and they don't really know? Um, you can't avoid television which hasn't got those sorts of words in it, unless you watch CBeebies all the time, presumably. Um, you know, virtually everything, whether it's the news or anything, has um, what we would call swear words in it. And there are two different sorts of swear word, basically. There are ones that relate to uh, procreation and there are ones that relate to religion and God. And interestingly enough, if you look at films, um, films that have swear words relating to procreation tend to get an 18 certificate, whereas films that have a swear words uh, containing the words God or other things that relate to religion tend to get a PG certificate. Now that's interesting. Um, why do people swear? Because I think there are, we've all, you know, doesn't matter how controlled we are, we've all at some point come into a situation in life when we've felt like swearing. And it's, um, it, it's quite interesting really about the whole thing about swear words. And I found a whole thing about the psychology of swearing and why people use words that are kind of taboo words that aren't normally run of the mill. I mean, some people use taboo words all the time. I remember we had a, a new medical registrar on our unit a few years ago who used the F word all the time. She stopped once people told her not to, but she was by that time a fairly senior doctor and nobody mentioned it to her up to that point that really that wasn't appropriate language for use at work. Um, and she never really meant any offense with it. It was just the way she spoke. It was the way she'd been brought up, whatever. Um, but swearing is, uh, it, you can use swearing to kind of diffuse feelings of anger, diffuse feelings of frustration. Um, it gives us an expression to say we're not happy with things. And it can be also a useful substitute for physical violence. Um, and I'm sure you would agree that swearing is, is better than sort of bopping somebody over the head with a cricket bat or something. Um, but it can also, swearing can also be used to intentionally insult people and cause harm. And some people use crude words all the time, as I say, and aren't really aware of it. Uh, swearing can also help people to cope with pain. And it's quite common for women in childbirth to say, I never, don't normally swear, but this is the moment. Um, and the reason there's a picture of an, a bucket of ice water on the screen, if you can see it, um, is because there was an experiment done 
Um, and putting your hand in a bucket of iced water is okay at the beginning, but it starts to get intensely painful because it's obviously your body's trying to say, protect itself and saying, remove your hand from the bucket of iced water because this isn't going to do it any good and you can get frostbite. Um, but they found that the people who swore when their hand was in there or who were allowed to swear actually tolerated pain much better than the people who weren't. So that says you something about human beings um, and uh, the need for some sort of way of giving vent to um, uh, the situation that we're in. <clears throat> I'm have to, sorry, I'm gonna have to move everybody over to the other side of my screen because I can't see what it says. Um, right, um, you probably don't realize you just moved over. Um, so we have the third commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And the reading that I was um, concerned about and the reading I chose was the Matthew one, which virtually backs, backs that up. Um, but, I mean, I've just been talking about swear words. And really, we have to accept that in terms of the things that come out of people's mouths, Swear words, whether they be uh, religious or whether they be to do with procreation, are a lot less harmful than some of the things that come out of people's words. And some things that come out of people's mouths can be very, very harmful indeed. Um, so we're going to talk about a couple of things like that. There's evidence in the um, Old Testament of false prophets. Now, false prophets or prophets speak in the name of God. Uh, they do that in the Bible a lot. Um, and Jeremiah, who's the one on the left, you can tell who's the good guy on this because he's got a much nicer picture than the other guy. Uh, Jeremiah, who's the one on the left, actually told King um, Zedekiah that, he, that the, um, the, the, the uh, king of uh, Babylon um, was going to uh, subject the people of Israel, the people of Judea, and take them into, um, uh, oh, what's the word? exile um, and Jeremiah that the king was really worried about this because Nebuchadnezzar was an extremely powerful king he had lots of troops and things and, and Jeremiah's message to the king was subject yourself to this it won't last forever bow your neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon Je Jeremiah was very into giving visual aids so he had a yoke on his neck at this point serve the king of Babylon and his people and you will live and the idea was that if you went peacefully into Babylon, into exile, uh, then you could live there for a period of time. Then after a period of time, the time would be right for you to come back to uh, the land of Israel. Um, the false prophet, um, whose name was Hananiah, he wanted to curry favor with the king. So he said, what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, is I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles that Nebuchadnezzar took to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had um, uh, looted the temple, taken all the precious things that, uh, that the Jews had away to Babylon. Um, and the, the bottom line was that the true prophet, Jeremiah, those are the words that came true. The false prophet, um, uh, Hananiah, his words did not come true. And in fact, uh, they were in exile in Babylon for quite a long period of time. It was almost 70 years in the end. And then 
that things could reconfigured themselves. Nebuchadnezzar was taken out, there was a new king and that he allowed the, the Jews to come back to uh, the land of Palestine. There are many, many other instances in the Old Testament of people taking God's name in vain like that. There are many times when people saying this is what God says and it isn't what God says at all. And I think that that is a really important part of taking God's name in vain. It's actually assigning to God words that are not God's. And I think that starts to bring things slightly closer to home because we're all in a situation where we can actually assign to God things which are not of God if we choose to. Uh, when, indeed, when we were do, looking at the New Testament in Acts, we also came across Paul and Barnabas coming across the false prophet um, Elimas bar Jesus. Um, so this stuff didn't stop in the Old Testament. It didn't stop in the New Testament. And there have been multiple times in more recent history when the name of God has been used for things. Not least... For example, now the, these pictures that I found are very clean pictures of the things that I'm describing, and I'm not going to describe anything gruesome. But for example, the Crusades, which were really um, fought in God's name, it was a, considered to be a holy war. It involved the slaughter of many, many thousands of people, um, both Christian and Islamic peoples, um, and it was it was done in the name of God. But I'm sure God, well, I am convinced that God. Uh, did not want any part of that. The same with the Spanish Inquisition. This set Christians against Christians, people who didn't quite believe the same thing. And there were terrible, terrible, terrible things done in the name of the Spanish Inquisition. If you bring things a lot more up to date, this is um, Omar in Northern Ireland. Um, it's about a bomb that was set by one set of alleged Christians against another set of alleged Christians. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got the Protestants and the Catholics fighting it out all the time. This is not a, a holy war. This is not God's war. This cannot be done in God's name. And right bang up to date, this is a picture taken this year um, of the uh, Lord's Resistant Army uh, that functions in Uganda, South Sudan and the Congo. Its leader is a man called Joseph Pony, and he's a self-declared prophet, and he believes he has God's word to go and destroy villages, to rape women, to do all sorts of awful things in the name of God. That is way, way worse than the odd swear word in my, my view. So although you could say that people are taking God's name in vain when they use words inappropriately, to use God's name and pin it onto something which is downright evil is what is the main thrust of this commandment, I believe. We also have accounts, and I haven't got any pictures for this, for example, Martin Luther, um, who was the guy who pinned uh, the theses to the door um, of the church in Wittgenstein, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, he also had a darker side and he was known to um, he didn't agree with the philosophy of the Baptists, so he drowned them in G Lake Geneva. He um, was, uh, he, uh, uh, what's the word, persecuted the Jews because he believed they'd killed Jesus. There were all sorts of things, even though he was ostensibly a man of God, he did these things in the name of God, when actually it was really just what he wanted to do. 
And that's the real difficulty, isn't it? Knowing what's God's work will, will and what's ours. And that's always the challenge. Bringing it right bang up to date, we've seen um, this sort of thing, which is pure cynicism, really, on the part of Donald Trump. Um, I can't judge whether Donald Trump is a Christian or not, but one of the things that Jesus says is, by your actions, you know people. Um, and in order to have this photo opportunity in front of that church, um, tear gas was used to break up a peaceful demonstration, a Black, Black Lives Matter demonstration, so that it would clear his path to outside the church. And the pastor of the church almost immediately decried this and said it was an inappropriate use of a Bible and the front of his church. He did not feel it could be endorsed uh, by himself and he felt sure it wasn't endorsed by God either. Um, so there's a, there's a whole lot of work been going on in the States about uh, currying favor with religious groups like the uh, white evangelicals and saying, well, well, we'll support these of your policies if you vote me in as president. But I mean, what they're also saying is turn a blind eye to the stuff I do that you don't like. Um, so we have to be um, really careful about that. In fact, um, Donald Trump went to, uh, I mean, you can tell I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. I mean, if you are, I'm sorry about that, but um, he went to a church in Las Vegas on one Sunday morning and a blessing was made over him. And one of the senior pastors there declared uh, in the prophecy, declared that God would, uh, would give the president a second run, that uh, Trump was told that the Holy Spirit had declared that he was the apple of the Holy Spirit's eye. He is protecting you like he's protecting the ancient foundations of our nation. The one thing they did say, which I do believe is right, is they also said God wants to be the middle of our nation. And I do believe that that is the case. Um, but we have to be careful. So I don't want to bring party politics into this. You know, you can disagree with me if you like. But I believe that this is a cynical use of God's name in an inappropriate circumstance and that people should be prepared to stand by their own merits. The reading that I uh, chose, um, which uh, I find very challenging and have always found very challenging, and I feel that I chose this reading in a moment of absolute madness as I was trying to finish this talk off. Um, but Jesus says in Matthew 12, 31 to 32, and so I tell you, every kind of, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. And sometimes people say that that may not be, mean Jesus is the Son of Man. It might mean human beings rather than Jesus himself. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. I find that a very challenging passage because I believe in a God of love, the God who says you forgive people 70 times, seven times, um, and that to find something that's, that God cannot forgive for, I find very, very challenging indeed. Um, one of the things that uh, some of you will know, somebody called N.T. Wright, who writes Bible commentaries. Um, and I did look for help in various places on this. Um, he writes, Jesus' final warning has often worried devout readers. How can we know whether or not we've committed this unforgivable sin? I think one of the things is that um, if you're worried about it, then you probably haven't done it because you're worried about 
spirit and the integrity of the spirit and all those sorts of things. But what he does say, uh, N.T. Wright, is that people who blaspheme against the spirit, who assign bad things to the spirit, who, who essentially poison the spirit in their own minds, can't then turn to the spirit for forgiveness because the spirit in, in, in their minds would not be able to give them forgiveness. So it could simply be a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that you say that the spirit is, is responsible for evil and therefore the, the spirit which is responsible for evil, which of course it isn't, um, cannot forgive you for the things that you've done wrong. It's a bit like if you are in a place where you are dying of thirst, if you have decided that the only bottle of water that's there contains poison, then you can never be saved. You, you can never slake your thirst. You can never survive. And it's, it's seen as something akin to that. It's really complicated stuff. I know that. And I'm hoping that on Bible Connect, we'll be able to have some discussion to try to work out where this leaves us. But it's, as I say, it's a, having a wrong understanding of the spirit, of assigning to the spirit things that are wrong, and also misleading other people by saying that this is what the spirit says, this is what the word, this is what God wants, um, and then turning them. We, we've all known uh, people who purport to be Christians who put, turn people against our faith because of the way they've behaved. And one of the things Jesus says is, you know, by your fruits will you know them. So you have to um, be behaving in the way that God would want you to in order to say this is what God wants having said that all those people I've mentioned before I am not saying that they will be judged by God and they will be found wanting that is not my place to do that I don't know what how God feels about those things I've mentioned um, that because God is God and only he can decide what to do about the things that people have done um, but uh, so I leave final judgment to God. I am not in a position to be able to say who's in and who's out because that is not my role in life. And it's none, none of our role really because God uh, knows what he's doing. So what can we do or what can't we do? Um, what can we do to make sure that we avoid using God's name inappropriately? Well, on the basis of it, we need to watch our language, just our language and the way we, we, we talk to people and the way we discuss things. And I must admit, I find that quite challenging because I've hung around nurses a lot and there's a lot of swearing goes on in wards, I can tell you. Um, and sometimes it can rub off if you're not careful. So I'm very, very careful. And I have to say when I, uh, now um, uh, we have the coronavirus epidemic going on, um, we don't all work, meet in the same staff room to have our lunch. But before, before the coronavirus epidemic, when I used to go in there, people used to say, don't swear, Lynn's just arrived. <laughs> Not that I would ever say anything to them, but they knew that I didn't. So um, at, least something, at least I've done something right. Um, but it's not just about watching our language. We need to watch what we say and what we attribute to God. Um, and... One of the things we've got to be very cautious in how we use God's name. For example, we need to, if we believe we have a prophecy for the fellowship, we need to test that prophecy. You can't just come out with something because you have to be sure it's not something that's coming from inside yourself as opposed to from God. Um, I've never seen myself as a prophet. Many people do see themselves as uh, being 
being involved in prophecy. And I think it's something that you need to seek help with. Um, and I certainly think that if we're talk, bringing in prophecies to, the fellowship, to a church fellowship, whichever church fellowship it is, uh, we should talk it through at least with our church leadership before making a pronouncement. And if necessary, with the whole fellowship, if, if they need to weigh up its significance. Um, as I say, I've known, I have known situations where people have made so-called prophecies and it's clearly been their own agenda that's being furthered. So we just need to be careful about that. We also need to be careful when we're quote, quoting Bible verses. Um, it became very popular at one time to quote, to learn and to quote proof texts. And when I first became a Christian, it was incredibly important to me that I knew the back Bible backwards, upside down, sideways, knew all about it, knew how many sons everybody had, knew the names of this and that and the other. Um, but we have to be very careful that we don't quote Bible verses out of context um, because the Bible has been used to um, justify all sorts of hideous things um, from slavery to suppression of women, to racism, um, to homophobia, to divorce, uh, to, to have downers on people who are divorced, people who've committed suicide, um, all of those things, and the many, many, many more things. So we have to be really careful when we're quoting Bible verses that we're not using them to our own ends. Um, in, in the Jewish tradition, the scriptures were always used as a starting point for discussion. Nobody would ever assume to say, this is what the scriptures say, this is the answer, I have got it. It would always be ideas being put forward by different rabbis and, and there's whole discussions um, about di different views of different rabbis and what different re readings mean. And I think we have to have humility as uh, Christians to be able to be aware of that and just to make sure that we're not quoting things out of context so they don't mean what we think they mean. And as I said, lastly, in any circumstance, minding language, my, making sure that we're not actually abusing God's name um, in any sort of way and bringing it into disrepute because all of that um, is not good for our faith, for people who would like to join it. You know, it, it, I mean, one of the things that um, Gandhi said was, I would become a Christian if I ever found anybody who was actually um, acting out the teachings of Jesus. And we have to be those people. We have to be the people that show people what Jesus is really like. And we have to be careful when we do those things. And lastly, we've got uh, St. Francis of Assisi here. Um, he was peaceful protest personified. The, the, in Franciscan theology, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. So whether it's me not swearing at work or whether it's other things that we do, I think the main thing to do is make sure that if you really believe in the values you say you believe in, then you have to put them into practice. You have to live them out. You have to practice what you preach. Um, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lynn, for really challenging um, perspective on all of that. So much to chew on, isn't there? And really think yeah. about. And if there's anything you're thinking in your mind oh, I need to think about that more or discuss it more or you know um yeah come do come on Wednesday evening and discuss it on the Bible Connect group that would be be great just to follow up on that we're going to respond now um, and Taryn is going to sing a song 
which speaks about, I think, some of the things that Lynn was, was talking about. Um, it starts with the, the lines, may the words of my heart uh, and the, sorry, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart bless your name, Jesus. And that comes over with what Lynn was, was saying, doesn't it, around 